to the Heavy Checklist Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Heavy Checklist Podcast. Uh, today, I think you're really going to appreciate what we, uh, the content that we came up with because it's something that's kind of a mystery. It's something that really uh, kind of bamboozles and confuses and flat out scares a lot of people. And I'll just tell you right now, we're going to be talking about mortgages. We're going to talk about the mystery and the science and the good and the bad of what a freaking mortgage is because there's so many people that just don't quite grasp what a mortgage is, how to get one. Uh, you know, I remember, I can't remember how many years ago when we first got married, I started thinking, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get a mortgage. These things seem unattainable. So that's what we're going to get into tonight. But obviously, before we do that, obviously, I've got my, uh, I just said obviously like four times. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. You know who Everything. it is. Yeah, you, you know, already know. You know who that is. You got any sound yeah. effects? No, nah, man. I, I, I you, don't, you didn't bring one money, money sound effect? Nothing. Oh, um, my goodness. I mean, I could press a random one, but I've kind of forgotten what you they know, are. Tonight you lose your title. Should tonight we you're play just, sound? Tonight you're just Marcus Wing. Lottery? Not DJ Marcus Wing, not is Big Marcus Wing. Is that all I got to do? Yeah, you're just Marcus Wing. Is that Wing all I got to do to lose the DJ title? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Just quit making no sound effects. No more sound effects. effects. <laughs> oh, We're done. Dude, no, DJ, dude. That's what everybody knows you as, DJ Marcus Wing. So yeah. obviously, you're my co-host. You're my bro. You're one of my best friends, like childhood best friends. So um, D, uh, DJ Marcus Wing and I are flying solo tonight with our guest. Our guest is somebody who is, man, I don't even, there's we so many ways. Him and we, we both like connected that we knew each, knew yeah, Matt, yeah. Like, but we didn't know that you knew him or that I knew him. You know what I remember? You exactly. Know? So let me, before, yeah. well, I'm going to introduce, I'm going to tell you who he is and then I'm going to tell you a story about getting to know Matt. So um, our guest, his name is Matt Arnold. We call him Billy Luber and we'll get into that as well. And Matt Arnold is a good friend, uh, an amazing artist and the best mortgage guy in the United States of America, probably in the world. Only reason I don't say world is because I've never tried to get a foreign mortgage. And it sounds like a terrible process. And probably one of the happiest dudes you'll ever meet. One too. of the happiest dudes you'll ever meet. One of the most interesting uh, dudes you'll ever meet. You got a you got an insanely cool story. So welcome to the show, Thank Mr. You. Billy Luber. I'm going to call you Billy Luber because it just that's what we call you. Oh yeah. Um, so you, my friend, um, you do mortgages, right? Yes, sir. Mortgages. If you don't understand them, you don't work with them every day. They're complicated and confusing. A lot of times, and that's the that's the thing about mortgages is they scare people. Yeah, they make wait a them wait intimidated. Weren't you going to tell a story? I'm going to tell a story. Are you going to wait? Did I? No, I'm, I'm going to get right into it. I'm going to get into the story. I did want to. I I don't. I want. Basically, I'm trying to leave a little bit of a hook right now for the listeners because okay. this is not like when you hear mortgage, you're going to think, oh, no, nah, I'm moving on. Like I'm good. Either you might think I already got a mortgage or whatever. I promise you, the information we're going to give you tonight is going to be something that. If you don't have one and you want to get one, this will be like gold to you. But if you have one, trust me, this is very important because all the options with refinances and when you go to buy your next house, like a mortgage is not something that you just go out one day and say, I'm going to get a mortgage today. Like it takes some preparation, but that preparation is really, really simple if you know what to do. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to debunk some of the bullshit and simplify the process so that I want every listener here to be able to go buy a house. Like there's no reason you shouldn't be able to. Full disclosure too. Uh, I had a house uh, four years ago, went through the injury and we were like, man, we just got to get into a house. My wife was worried about where we we're going to live. Anyways, I'm in the process right now with Matt working through it. So I'm really stoked on this episode. Yeah. So that, uh, <laughs> so to my story, Matt, um, Billy Luber, Matt Arnold, <laughs> there's two names here. And if you hear the name Matt or Billy or Luber, that's, we're talking about the same guy. This is, this is the dude. So 
Uh, my wife and I got a mortgage. Well, I can't remember. It was like our third or fourth mortgage four or five years ago. Um, we were getting ready to look at maybe building our dream home. But in the meantime, we needed to find just a spot to stay. And so we ended up buying this condo. And um, my oh man, who introduced me to you? Oh, um, Jason Briggs. Yeah. Yeah. So a mutual friend of ours basically came to me and he's like, I have the best mortgage guy in the world. And I'm self-employed. I have been my whole life. Uh, Marcus, you've been self-employed your whole life. So yeah. historically speaking, getting a mortgage when you're self-employed is, is a nightmare. It's a, it's a mess and it can be really hard. So my buddy Jason was like, look, just deal with this guy. He's the best there is. I'm like, all right, I'll give him a shot. So I call him and one phone call, like maybe 20 minutes uh, into the phone call, uh, he's like, okay, we're good. And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, I got, I got what we need. I'm like, hold on, dude. Like, we like, do I, do I have to go to the bank or how does this work? And he, and he's like, no, I, I'm good. I got it. I, you know, cause he, Matt runs this full service mortgage uh, brokerage where basically you go out and you take somebody's information like myself and then you shop it to all these different mortgage companies. Right. Exactly. So rather than me having to drive around town to go shop mortgage rates, all the banks, you do it for me. But where the, he really stepped up was all of a sudden there's the, these weird like documents that underwriting, um, underwriters basically at a bank. Matt, what's the best way to explain an underwriter? It's like wizard behind the curtain, right? Oh yeah. Like, They're, yeah, they just, anytime it's like the banks play good cop, bad cop with you. The bank, the guy at the bank who's telling you, yeah, I'll get you a loan. He's the good cop. The mortgage or the underwriter is usually the bad cop. He's the one that's like, Oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. And so, um, anyways, they were requesting these documents. I'm like, Oh man, I'm busy. I was filming the show. We had so much stuff going on. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll try to scramble and find them. And, and, and Matt's like, no, like I, I got this. I'm like, dude, you can't like, there's some, like, I got to go to my bank and get this statement, get all these things. And he's like, I got this. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, like, we'll see if this guy actually delivers. Dude, he starts like, you, you were, I think you were on hold for like a day and a half once with one of my banks trying to get some <laughs> stupid paper that somebody requested, somebody needed, but you went through and you bent over backwards to be able to get that uh, process done. And you made, as a self-employed guy, we closed on our loan in like, a week and a half, two weeks. It was like, like freaking nothing. And I was just shocked, but I had never met you. I had never met this guy. I, I just talked to him on the phone. And so I'm thinking like suit tie, like this dude has got to be wall street, like to a T. And, uh, we go to the closing for our house and we get to the title. You company. never met him to that I, point. I had never met him. No, I had, I had literally no idea what to expect. But when you talk, <laughs> you, you, you expect like this, like when you talk mortgages, you are very polished, very professional. You know, your craft, like very well sit down the mortgage company, my wife and I, or the, the title company, and in walks this dude with long hair and like a little bit of a scruffy goatee. And I'm like, okay, the janitor, what's he doing in here? Like, what's this guy? But he's wearing like a, a you know, deep, like a button up shirt maybe. Yeah. He's like as dressed up as you get. Um, and he sits down, he's like, hey, I'm Matt. And I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, hold on, what? And I'm like, cool, this is like one of my dudes. Like I'm bearded, he's bearded. I'm like, all right, man, this is the, like, I was not expecting that. I was definitely not expecting to see this mortgage guy who is so damn good at what he does, but at the same time, he's just a regular dude. And oh, I don't even want to, I don't want to say rough around the, the edges, but compared to like your average real estate guy, your mortgage guy, it's probably safe to say that you are, you don't fit the mold as far as who you are. But then I start finding out a little bit more about who he is. And we start talking about I can't remember, maybe building trucks and painting or something. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I do a little bit of like um, spray paint work. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, like watercolors, like paintings. And he's like, no, like graffiti. And I'm like, you're a graffiti artist. 
He's like, yeah. A that's, damn good one. Yeah, that's what I do. And I'm like, Thank come you. on. So he has, I think you had a freaking book with you. Yeah. And we started talking and you started showing me pictures and he started showing me all these pictures of huge walls and murals and stuff that he's painted with spray paint. And it looks like it's like done by Picasso. Like this stuff, it's not like, it is not the standard like, when you go look at an old railroad car, the graffiti that you can't even understand what it is, this is like beautiful art. So I'm like, dude, this is pretty cool. Maybe we should get together on a project sometime. And didn't really think much of it outside of that. Um, we stayed in touch. And I think well, was maybe a month or two later, I was like, hey, I got a project here at my shop. I want you to come paint. Next thing you know, uh, you're painting all the bay doors out here at my building. And so if you've ever seen um, our shop, if you just go to my Instagram or my Facebook, take a look at like some of the murals on our, on our building. Now they're everywhere. Those are all done by this guy right here. And it is like, what did you paint? You did, you did an American Freedom flag bus. on our uh, hangar door that was 50 feet wide by like 20 feet tall. Would that thing take you like a full summer? No, well, it took me about six weeks to do uh, your three bay doors and that hangar door. Dude, it was not, and it was like, like heat of the summer. And it was one of these weird summers where it was like really stormy and windy. So every day he's out there like trying to spray paint and then dust is blowing against it and just like kicking your ass. But it's the, some of the most beautiful art I've ever seen. It looks like it was like printed, like it's, it's freaking great work. So before we even dive into the mortgages real quick, I want to, I want you to explain to me how a guy that some scruffy kid from West Valley who was a graffiti artist growing up is now like one of the, like I said, the best mortgage guy around. How does that happen, dude? It's, uh, it's funny. There's a lot of people will ask me that when they find out I do art or see any of my art, they're like, what you work in finance? That mm -hmm. doesn't even make any sense. But really like, that's the great thing about, um, mortgage is it's very detail oriented. Right. And that's what really makes me a great mortgage officer is I pay attention to all the finite details. You like the details. Yeah. Just like you like painting. Like if you look at any of um, Matt's paintings, very detailed. It's not, it does not look like you did it with a, like a, a spray can because like the texture and the layers and the colors, it is incredible. So looking at your paint now, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Now I understand why he's so thorough and so detailed. So, but how do you get to the point where, I mean, you grew up in a rough city, right? Rough yeah. town, rough, rough. Where was that? Are you from Utah? Yeah, West I Valley. grew up in West Valley. Yeah. And if you don't know Utah, for those of you who know Utah, Utah you know the West Valley is, um, it's, I don't want to talk bad about West Valley because that's your hometown and it's, 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 a, it's a decent place, but it is a rougher. It's got some hood. It's got some hood, yeah. So yeah. Oh, you grew yeah. up on the streets of West Valley. Oh yeah. In fact, it's funny is a lot of people ask me, um, I spray painted a, a VW bus on the side of the road in Draper <laughs> and like all these people were stopping and like looking and talking to me and these soccer moms would stop and they'd be, Hey, how'd you learn how to spray paint? And I was like, I grew up in West Valley <laughs> and they're like, Oh, makes perfect sense. So do they have like classes out there? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, kind of, you know, it's one of those things. Yeah. It's at midnight out by the rail yard. <laughs> two, three a.m. So how does that work? Do you just go out one day and with some buddies and you're like, I want to learn how to tag. Oh yeah. So you call was, it tagging, bombing paint. Like there's all kinds of names for it. Right. Oh yeah. So it was basically, um, back in the nineties, new school skating was really big. And so like we, you know, got rid of our big heavy boards and started, you know, uh, more skinny baggy jeans, double kick tail. Oh yeah. yeah. You know this. And so it was just part of the culture. Yeah. It was just starting to spray paint. And so you just part of the culture started learning and obviously you probably stood out a little bit or you, you took it further than your buddies, right? Yeah. 
Well, some of them, like, honestly, are still just some of the most amazing artists I've seen. Yeah. They just, what happens is uh, you grow up, and unfortunately, you know, if you get caught doing any sort of vandalism, it's a class two felony. Is so, it really? Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those things when you get to be a big year old, you're like, <laughs> hey, you know, I, I probably got to hang up the can. Right. Yeah. That's got to be a thrill, though, dude. Like some of the, some of the paintings I've seen on like freeway overpasses, I mean, some of the stuff, like, I don't know how you do that. Like you're in a, you're in a public spot, a highly visible, highly trafficked area, and you're laying down like really great art, um, a really detailed art, whether it's, I mean, some people use it for, you know, gangs and gangs do it to tag. Why do they do that? Do they tag their territory? With it? Is that mm -hmm. kind of, they mark yeah. their spots. Um, you weren't necessarily on that side of it. You were more on just like the creative side of it, right? Oh yeah. Just so quick stuff. That has evolved and snowballed into something that you're like super passionate about still, right? Oh yeah. And that's, that's kind of the, the cool thing is when uh, I had not picked up a spray can in probably like 12 years. Wow. And then somebody heard that I could still spray paint and they asked me to spray paint a 19... 06 double decker bus. Mm, I remember seeing that one. Yeah. And so anyway, that was like one of my very first things that, that like I started back up on. And they, you've, you've done haunted houses, you've done all kinds of stuff, but what was unique when I started to get to know you is I found out that you don't really like to be hired to paint. Uh, it's not necessarily, you're not out there looking for paint work. Right. And it's because I don't, I think you told me you don't want to turn what you love into your living right you don't want to turn that into a, like it, it takes the fun out of them somebody tells you what you have to do exactly and the other thing with it too is you know uh, when we first sat down it was one of my uh i quoted one of my favorite football players and that's ray lewis yeah and uh he's super passionate about football and when he signed his first really really big contract everybody was like oh what are you gonna do now you got all this money and he said listen you pay me from monday through saturday Sundays you get for free. Oh yeah. And that's, that's how I look about, you know, doing paint. It's right. like you pay me Monday through Saturday. This is my Sunday. Yeah. And it is like, I didn't realize when I first started having you paint here in our building, it's been three years now, I think maybe four. Just two actually. Has it really? Yeah. Only been two years. So uh, when I first had you start painting, I did not realize the impact that that experience would have on all of us because it went from, hey, paint a couple bay doors to now all of a sudden you're one of our best friends and you're like best friends with all the guys in the shop. And I think you told me it was a really therapeutic experience for you as well, right? Oh, yeah. Um, what do you get out of painting that, what, what's the benefit that you get out of it? Really, it, uh, so every day with mortgage, it's one of those things where I really have to concentrate. I really have to be detail oriented and rely somewhat on other people. Yeah. And with paint, it's 100% me. Right. Nobody, you know, I count 100% on myself and I can throw on my headphones and listen to music and just let it all go. The logical side just shuts off. Yeah. And that's why, like, I'll be here at three, four in the morning. I mean, dude, you got to understand this guy. I think I've seen you on a ladder in a wife beater with headphones on more than I've seen you in any other <laughs> setting. Like I just, I walk in and out. I'm sometimes I'm, we're all here late and I'm like, there's Matt. He's up on the man lift and he's painting and he's just, you are like zoned out. Oh yeah. yeah. What do you listen to when you're up there? You know, it just depends. A lot of it's just background noise. Yeah. Like, um, uh, 
I'm embarrassed to say, but like when I very, very first started painting here, it yeah. was funny. His plumber comes up to me and he's all, hey, what are you listening to? You listen to some hip hop, some R&B, hardcore rap. And <laughs> I'm like, Taylor Swift, man. <laughs> and he's all, oh, okay. I was like, hey, man, I know, I know she ain't thug, but <laughs> that's just pretty upbeat, yeah. man. <laughs> dude, I love it. So, and that's the thing about you is you're full of surprises, dude. Um, man, there's so many different ways we can go with this conversation. I love, I love your story. I love talking about like the creative side of painting. And I think we can get more into that here in a minute. I do want to, you know, let's dive into the mortgage stuff right now, just because that's what people need to hear. And then as we wrap up towards the end of the podcast, I want to talk a little bit about some of the trials that you've been through and some of the stuff that you've like overcome, dude, you're like a new man right now. So, uh, I think you're the best version of Billy Luber ever. So I can't wait to see what the future holds for you on that side of it. But let's talk mortgages for a second. Let's, let's break it down, man. Let's break this down. And, uh, we call this obviously the heavy checklist podcast. And the reason for that is because we like to leave people with like things that they can do right away to start working towards accomplishing their goals. Big goals are very important, but big goals don't mean anything unless you have like a way to get there. So, uh, you know, how you get there is by accomplishing a set of smaller tasks, which are actually goals in and of, them, of themselves. So with that said, let's say I'm a, I think our average listener is probably about a 30 year old, between probably 25 and 35 years old, um, men and women, um, but you know, these younger families that are kind of either just getting started or they're five, 10 years into marriage and they're just figuring things out. So what would be, let's say I'm a young family and I want to buy my first house. What do I do? What's, what's the basics? Well, it really, the very, very baseline that I can tell you is there's, there's four C's that really matter in mortgage. And the very first one I'm going to tell you is credit. Credit. Um, so when a lot of people, they, when you're younger, you don't really think about it. You're just like, Oh, I got this credit card. I'm going to go buy stuff. And then you rack up your credit card and all of a sudden you're at 22% interest and you're making your minimum payment and the thing never goes away. Dude, schools do not talk about this though. It's almost, it's like taboo. You can't talk about it. And it's so bizarre to me. And that's why I really want to hammer home. In fact, I'm a little, um, teaser here, a little bit of a, uh, I, I, man, I tell way too much. I give away way too much information on here because I get so excited about it. I have this concept that I've been working on for about five years now. Um, and it's basically a program, a financial program that's designed to help like demystify finances. Um, and it's a basically, it's in a, kind of an institution. It's going to become an institution that uh, we're going to target people like me and like you and like guys who don't necessarily come from a financial background, but want to learn how to use financial products, want to learn how to use credit and stuff like that. So uh, basically simplifying it and making it more attainable. So that's one thing that I'm, cause I, dude, I got my first loan when I was 16 years old and my parents were like, this is your credit. This is like your word, your bond, one of your most valuable things. And I'm lucky my parents taught me that dude, because so many freaking people grow up not knowing what it is. They're like, like you said, I got a credit card. It's free money. You, and then the school doesn't tell you what to do with it. Nobody tells you how to build, protect, and like continue to nourish your credit. There's nothing out there. And it's so bizarre to me. Like there's plenty of people that are willing to take your money to go like repair your credit. And I'm doing the quotation, the air quotation things right now, because that's kind of a scammy industry. Like it's full of a lot of, you know, empty promises, but 
dude, why, why should we have to get to the point where our credit's already damaged? Why can't we start building it right from the get-go? And that's what I want to talk about. And that's what, obviously, that's, that's number one you're talking about, right? Because without credit, you have nothing. Oh, yeah. And that's like, back in the day, it used to be that if you walked in the door, interest rates were based the same. It was almost like uh, sales tax. You walk in, everybody got the same rate, right. unless I sold you a higher rate to make more money. Right. Well, they've taken that all away. So we're all paid exactly the same on every transaction. I can't make more money off of you or off of you, off of any sort of differentiation of rate. Hmm. But the lender, what they've done, now that's only true for mortgage brokers. I should take that back. So like banks, they can fluctuate everything. Right. They can make more money, different yeah. things. But uh the biggest thing with it is, depending on what your credit score is, they have what they call loan level pricing adjustments. Mm-hmm. And that's where people don't understand. Like when you're driving down the freeway and you pass a sign and it's like 3.875 and you're yeah. like, oh, why am I getting four and a half? You're right. <laughs> you're yeah. like, you're screwing yeah, me, man. No. <laughs> you're doing me dirty. <laughs> and it's uh, basically they're quoting a 60% loan to value, meaning that you have 40% equity mm-hmm. in your loan. And you have a 760 plus credit score and all of these great things. And that's why they can get that interest rate. But people that have those things, they are more or less like unicorns. Right. So they are for sure. I mean, because like I said, nobody's been taught how to use this tool. Right. They just, they, you have it and you, whether you like it or not, you have a credit score. If you have a social security number, you probably have a credit score. Exactly. And so basically with credit, that's why it's so important. That's why it's the number one C I'm going to tell you. Um, When you establish credit, you want to make your payment on time. You want to pay more than your minimum balance because they start doing, they've started doing this thing called it's trending credit. Right. So they don't just look at your score anymore. They look at your history over the last year. Is it growing? Is your balance is growing? Are you getting deeper in debt? What kind of credit depth do you have? It's, 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 it's always been a frustrating thing for me because I got married right at the tail end of the recession. We got married in 2010. The recession destroyed the mortgage industry, destroyed people's credit, destroyed everybody's ability to do anything as far as finances go. And so we got married and I literally, I remember thinking like, maybe I'll have a mortgage when I'm 40 or 50. Like that was my thought. I I did not, I I could not picture myself because at that time it was so locked down so tight. I think it was possible. And uh, it took me, well, it took us a few years to be able to get there. And now obviously times have changed a lot since then. But um, I just, I, I had done a lot with my credit to protect it, but I had done like stupid things that I didn't even like pay attention to um, an old, like um, I had a college library that I, I was in college for remember three weeks. I bought a book or something on a college credit card and I forgot about it and it like $30 sent me to collections. And so I went to go get a loan um, for a car loan or something. And they're like, no, sorry, you have like a 30 day late on your credit. I'm like, what is it? Oh, what is it? What is what, I don't know what that is. And that's what, what college does for people. Nowadays, <laughs> yeah, dude, it's, right? it's student you know? loans. That's, that's one of the big killers on people's credit. So I did not realize the consequences for something that I didn't even really know existed. And so I learned really quick and I started digging in there, but like you're saying, um, there's ways to start building this profile so that when banks look at you, they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's, he's not as as risky as you might think, but there's a, there's a, that's like an art form because 
like I was like where I was saying uh, where I was going with that before was it's frustrating to me because this score, this weird magical number, I'm like, don't, don't judge me. Don't tell me that I can't make my payments based off of whatever your, you know, algorithm says. But I think it's, it is what it is and it's in place because it probably works really well, even though it's frustrating to the people that works against it's something that the banks have to have because that's the only way they're going to be able to have any sort of like assurance that you're going to pay them back. Right? So, yeah. And that's, that's actually where the credit score came from was it was, it was basically built to look at your risk at, of going into bankruptcy. Yeah. So the lower your score, the higher probability. And so when you look at credit scores and what make up a credit score, there's three major portions to it. There's other like ancillary things, right. but a third of your credit score is built on balances to limits. Right. So if you have everything maxed out, then your credit score is going to be lower. So like mom and dad, they always tell you, oh yeah, consolidate everything, put everything on one credit card. And then that way you only have one payment. That's a bad idea. Yeah. Because if you can have five credit cards at 50%, your credit score is going to be higher than if you have one that's maxed out. Mm -hmm. So that's a third of your credit score. The other part is um, obviously pay history, depending on if you're paying your bills on time or not. And then the last thing is what kind of credit you have. Payment so, history is number two, right? Yeah. That's the second pillar. And then what kind of credit? So if you only have like installment debt, your credit score isn't going to be as good. What is installment? Like a, a car loan. There's installment and revolving. Yeah. Uh, revolving would be your credit card. Installment is they gave you 20 grand to buy your card. Now you're paying every month and you're chipping that down. Whereas with your credit card, you have a $10,000 limit. You're going to pay it up and down and up and down. Got it. And that's one thing that I learned is I, I learned to start like exercising my credit and working it out. Meaning I would, I would run a balance up like strategically on one card in a month, wait a month, pay it down. Next card, run it up, pay it down. So they're seeing that you know how to manage your money. That's what they're looking at. They're like, okay, look, he had four grand on there one month. He paid it right back down. He's not leaving this for, because that's what everybody makes the same stupid mistake. And it, like, nobody ever tells you that this hurts your credit because you're like, I'm making my payments. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I didn't file bankruptcy. Well, leaving these large balances on your credit is killing you because it may not be instantly like, bringing your score like down, down like a late payment would, but it, it's not letting you grow. And more than anything, like you said, when a lender goes to look at it, they're like, nah, this guy can't even pay off a $4,000 credit card over six months. How's he going to pay us back on a house? Oh, yeah. So is that the best thing to do with a credit card is to use it and then pay it off? Oh yeah. And the other thing, like <clears throat> if you can make your payment before it's due, because that's the thing is everybody thinks that credit is ongoing. Everybody that reports to credit has to pay money to report to those bureaus. So if you wait until your bill actually is comes out, then that's what's going to be reported to the credit bureaus. Hmm. So if you rack up, like, let's say I have a credit card that I use for mileage. And so, like, I'm constantly just Same. using it. Yeah, and so, sky miles. Exactly. So when it comes due that's the balance that gets reported to credit bureaus. So I always try to make my payment prior to my uh, statement coming out. So it brings out. it down a little bit. Exactly. So that way when it hits the credit bureaus, it only shows like a $500 balance as opposed to however much I've popped on it that month. Makes a lot of sense. Dude, I'm so stoked we're talking about this because it's just, 
unfortunately, this information doesn't uh, make it to most people until it's too late and they actually have to start like backtracking. Oh yeah. And that's the thing I've, I've talked about. Like in high school, you'd think they'd teach you how to balance a checkbook. I mean, honestly, yeah. that's like kind of an important, you know, skill set. but you know, I, I took homemaking, you know, I can make you an apron if you need it. Exactly. It's more important to know about. Is that an offer? Right. Like, yeah. I'd love an apron. <laughs> I will knock one out. Home ec. <laughs> My birthday is May 6th. All right. But do this thing that, that it's called home ec and that stands for home economics. Why is, are they not teaching you this stuff, dude? Why are they not teaching every high school kid as soon as he graduates to go buy a piece of real estate? Right. They're not though, dude. It's, it's, mind blowing to me. So, uh, I have always felt like I'm on a little bit of a mission to kind of educate people on this because I, like I said, I was fortunate and I attribute a lot of my success and wealth and everything that I have today to the fact that my parents made me learn this stuff early on. I remember being so frustrated when I was 16 and uh, my grandpa was willing to sell me a car for like dirt cheap. And I was like, yeah, grandpa's giving me a car. And, uh, he's like, okay, um, go get a loan. And I'm like, what? And he, like the car was, he gave me a great deal on it. He didn't make any money on it, but he, he, he basically told me like, I had to go figure out how to get a loan. So I was 16 years old and I went out and established my credit early on. And, and obviously it's helped me a ton, but, um, I want everybody who's listening. Wait, for, you got a car, you had a car, my Jeep, remember my blue Jeep, every, every, uh, view, I just remember the blazer that was financed too. I bought yeah, no, every, I that. every car that I had in high school, starting at 16 years old, was financed because I didn't have cash. I didn't, I came from a lower middle-class family that never had any money. Um, and I just had to figure out how to get my stuff when I I'm wanted. Just, I'm just still stuck on you had a car. A Jeep. <laughs> it, I never had a car. Can we it call a it a Jeep. Jeep. It was instead a Jeep. of a car. Yeah. It was a vehicle. Yeah, I never had a car. Uh, I've never actually owned a car in my name, I don't think. That's what I was a little weirded out about. You know what I mean? It's always been Jeeps, trucks, SUVs. Um, so there's credit, uh, Matt. And I think that's something that we'll probably spend. Like I said, I've, I'm developing this program to help people understand how to use it. So let's give some basic tips on that. Um, talk about, let's see, if you have a credit card, um, use it, but pay it off. Do not go stack balances. Um, It'd be, it's good to have multiple credit cards, right? Mm -hmm. And use them kind of like- What's the benefit of that? Because I have one that I generally just use for my business for Sky Miles. What's the benefit of having multiple? The way I understand it is it, it shows that, you know, you're responsible with multiple, you know, abilities to, to use credit. But at the same time, and Matt, you can help me with this. It's also been a negative thing to me sometimes when banks see that I have too much opportunity, even though I've used it responsibly. I think if you have, I was told this, and, and like I said, maybe I'm wrong, that if I have four or five credit cards with big limits, that's almost scary to some financial institutions because they think that I'm gonna, that I have too much freedom. That, it depends. So that's kind of the cool thing when it comes to credit scores. And this is another thing where people come in and they're fully mistaken is there's 53 different algorithms to calculate a credit score. So when you go into uh, get a car loan, they're gonna get a different credit score or a credit card. So like if you're tracking your credit score on like Discover yeah. or American Express or whatever, it's gonna be different than if you come in to see me. Cause they use the FICO, right? Yeah, so we use the, it's Experian too, like there's, different algorithms that right. we use. So we use the three to give you your credit score. So a lot of times people will come in and they're like, oh yeah, I got like a 780. 
And then I pulled their credit. I'm like, dude, bro, you got it like 6.30. And they're like, what? No. And it's like, yeah, sorry, my man. Where are those differences? Is it happening between the different bureaus and the way they report? Well, it's because we only use a certain three different algorithms and then we take the middle of the three. Right. And like, so if you go to get a car, they're using whatever, you know, algorithm they're pulling because there's 53 of them. Right. So they get to look at it in different ways. So that, that can be true. Like having too much opportunity, like going to buy a car. But for me, um, as long as your, your limits are low, your credit scores are high. That's a good thing for us. Gotcha. Um, and part of your credit score is made up of depth. So like the very first thing my daughter, when she turned 16, I got her a credit card. Because it's history. Exactly. Yeah. And so when she goes and she gets older, then all of a sudden she can get other credit because she's got credit depth and a history and she uses it. I don't know, never, but it's my credit card, but it reports on her credit. Someday she's not going to live with you and she's going to need to be able to have a credit score. I'm grateful my wife, um, she did the same thing. She was fortunate enough to have a dad that taught her like a credit card and stuff like that. And when we got married, she had a phenomenal credit score and she had some history. So it's a big deal. So if you don't have history, if you don't have a credit score and you've always thought like, what do I need it for? Like, it's not a big deal. I don't need a house until, you know, however long. Start doing it now because the sooner you do it, the sooner you're going to learn how the system works and you're going to be able to leverage it and you're going to get better rates. You're going to save money on your mortgage payment. Like when you're talking a couple of percentage over a lifetime loan like that, Dude, Matt, how much money is that? You're talking like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that you're going to save just because you were a little bit more prepared with your freaking credit. Exactly. And the the best thing that I can say, honestly, like your parents did it for you, but not every parent does it for their kid. Right. And so for any of your listeners that have kids, improve the world by teaching them this right. and helping them, like co-sign with them, get them credit. Well, so what should our generation do? If there's guys like Mark, how many credit cards do you have? I have one. But what I was going to say too, what about my wife? Like you mentioned your wife having a credit card right now, as far as our relationship, I mean, everything's in my name, credit cards, the loans. Is there any kind of benefit to having her have her own credit card or anything like that? You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Rewind back to 2008 when yeah. the whole market crashed. I was right in the, I was in the throes of it. That was my life. I lost... <clears throat> more money than I'd like to, you know, talk about in the space of like two weeks. Jeez. And it was just like, boom, gone. Well, everything was in my name, but my wife had some credit. And so then all of a sudden, like as everything kind of fell apart and I was late on my credit cards and like staying up on as much as I could, I needed a car. And so what did I do? I went and got a car loan in my wife's name. Yeah, And so what it does is if you can differentiate it and separate it, then it gives you opportunity to protect one or the other. That makes a lot of sense. I, just, I need to go get her credit. So if I have a credit card, they call me all the time and they're like, hey, add another person onto your credit card. Is that the same thing or does she need to get her own credit card? Different. Yeah, it's a little bit different is being an authorized user. But if you like... If you get like any sort of credit card and add her on, you both do it at the same time, then mm-hmm. it works. Um, if you add her on to like say your bank cards, like your overdraft protection, different things like that, that'll give her the depth. And that's kind of the cool thing is like that's one thing that we'll do for people. Like if their credit scores are lacking, they right. don't they have lack of credit. 
like they have one or two trade lines and mm-hmm. one of them has a 30 day late. Now all of a sudden, 50 percent of your credit's bad. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's why having multiple credit lines right. is sometimes good. Um, so what we'll do is we'll have them go to their mom or their dad or their cousin or brother, or whatever, and be put on a credit uh-huh. card. And then all of a sudden you have to wait for it to come through organically. It takes about 30 days, but as soon as it pops, they get all of that history. Oh, and really? suddenly they have 72 months worth of Dude. pay history that they've never been laid on. I did mm. not know that. That's probably one of the most hidden gems that you're going to get out of this podcast. And I, Dude, I did not realize that. And I'm going to repeat it so you guys understand. If you don't have much credit history and you, you've never used loans and anything like that, and you're looking to get a mortgage or getting some sort of like car loan, like Matt just said, talk to a family member, somebody who has established credit and have them put you on as a, like, what is the- Authorized user? No, uh, is authorized user? Authorized user or co-borrower okay. or anything like that. Co-borrower, yeah, whatever it is. Doesn't necessarily mean you're going to use their credit. You're not going to, don't even have them give you a card. You just want their credit attached to yours because all of a sudden, bam, you get backdated. Dude, that's nuts. That is huge. I'll tell you, I, I won't use any names, but there right. is somebody that we're associated with yeah, yeah. that we did that for. And he went from a 560 to a 680 in 30 days. <laughs> Dude, that's wow. nuts. That's huge. That's huge. Um, don't you think like it, a guy like Marcus, shouldn't, his, shouldn't they go apply for a $1,500 credit card? Um, and his wife use it for groceries every month and they just pay it off every month because it's just showing the responsibility, right? Oh yeah. And you get the mileage and different things like that. The cool thing about it with like having your wife build up her credit is for what it's worth, it, it gives you a lot of pride and it, like to know that, Hey, I have good credit. I can go out and do things. I can accomplish stuff. If I want to go buy a car or a house, I have the opportunity that that I can do that. How often does it help when a couple comes to you and they both have credit versus just one or the other? Quite a bit. In fact, um, one of our, they're not supposed to do it, but they do. And it's uh, the underwriting engines that we use. It's an automated system. Mm-hmm. Um, AUS is what it's, you know, automated underwriting system. It'll come back and tell you that you're a higher risk. Wait, underwriters aren't real people? Um, not all of them. Oh, my goodness. This whole time I've just been demonizing these poor people like in the basement telling me no. <laughs> now it's a freaking software. It, well, it's, it, it's a mixture. Wow. But uh, the, the AUS, it'll come back and say, this loan's a higher risk because there's only one borrower. Yeah. And it can strengthen it if there's two people. Right. And it's just, they look at different like risk levels with stuff like that. It's like, I had somebody call me the other day and they asked me about buying dirt. Yeah. They're like, hey, I want to buy this lot. Isn't that easier than buying a house? I'm like, no, it's harder. They're yeah. like, but why? Banks don't like dirt. No, because if things get tough, are you going to make your house payment? Or are you going to pay on your dirt? Yeah. Yeah. So it's a good point. I, yeah, I, I learned that early on too, but I never really understood why or how, because I'm like, oh, it's an asset, but you're right. I never understood that. I don't want to lose my house, but if I lose a vacant piece of land, I don't live there, so I'm okay. That's, exactly. That's, that's interesting. So I'm Joe Blow, and now I've, uh, I'm starting to learn about credit. I'm starting to figure out you know, these different tips and tricks. Anything else that these people can be doing that are stuff that they could start doing today as far as like working on building this credit? Um, that's pretty much the long and the short of it. I mean, I always tell everybody, just start small. Yeah. You don't have to go like, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Right. Uh, if you live in Utah or the the West, R.C. Willie is yeah. who I tell everybody to go to. Um, the reason why Warren Buffett bought them is because not because they were selling furniture. Because they're a bank. Because they're a bank. Yeah. Exactly. 
And yeah, so, RC Wheelie, for those of you who don't know, it's the largest, I don't know if it's the largest, but it is a massive furniture chain here in Utah. Is it out of, outside of Utah now, too? Yeah, it's in Nevada. I want to say <laughs> Idaho. And they've got a great selection of furniture, really nice experience, but they can get you, you can go in there with zero money and walk out with a lot of furniture because they're going to get you set up with a credit a payment plan and they report to the bureaus, which in turn starts building your credit. I bought my bed at RC Willie on their credit program deal, yeah. you know, said, Hey, I want that bed. And they're like, all right, cool. Take it and pay us a hundred dollars a month. Yeah. I'm like, all right, deal. One nope. thing, one thing that I learned that really helped me because if you're anything like me and you get busy and a little scatterbrained and stuff like that, um, and you had a lot going on, I was, I had a couple 30 day lates a long time ago on my credit simply because I just forgot that there was payments due. And it's not like I didn't have the money. I could have easily paid it. It was 40 bucks or something. Um, so after I got my second one, I was like, F that I hate, I'm never doing this again. So I went through and just put all my credit cards on monthly ACH. So it just paid every single month, no matter what. This is a funny story, actually. Um, I did that because I was so terrified of getting any late payments. And so on the first of every single month, my bank was getting 150 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever my my payment was at that time. Well, I forgot about those and they were on and they paid off the credit card, but these were two or three years ago. I just found out, this is funny, the great timing. <laughs> this was last, what's today, Wednesday? This was last Friday. I, I noticed a charge on my bank account that was just an automatic ACH to one of my old credit unions. And the only reason I realized it is because I recognized the name, but I don't use it anymore. I'm like, why are they taking money? called them. They're like, yeah, you were, you had an automatic, uh, ACH going towards a credit card. looks like you paid that card off three years ago. Uh, you got $17,000 in savings. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, I called another bank. No, I, I looked down to look at another, uh, to see if any more charges were going out. I found three banks that I've been sending ACHs to. It was like $27,000 that I had just paid to these accounts that was just sitting there because I had set it up to pay these minimum payments. But over two or three years, those minimum payments stacked up and I just had a bunch of money sitting there. So um, I would strongly suggest that you do that because that way you're not going to miss payment. You're always going to be on time because regardless of how smart you think you are, how like disciplined you are, we make mistakes and we forget. And one dumb little 30 day late, I don't know how much they affect anymore. I don't use my credit as much anymore as I used to, but um, I don't know. Like the, back in the day, I remember 30 day late was a big deal. I wanted to go get a car loan and they're like, what's going on here? Yeah, it makes it, you'd be surprised how big of a hit it'll give you immediately to your credit scores. Oh yeah, it'll bring it, it can bring it down like a hundred points, right? Like quick. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're, if they report you 30 and that you're, still have that outstanding balance. Right. Because if you're currently delinquent, oh, man, that's just not Well, they won't, most people won't even give you a loan unless you get caught up on what you're delinquent on, right? Like, oh, yeah. Because they're not going to give you money or an asset and potentially there's going to be a judgment or something against you. Like, it's just nasty. So I know a lot of the listeners probably are dealing with like crap, like they're in the depths of, of credit hell. Um, is it possible to escape from that? Oh yeah, definitely. It takes time. Yeah. Um, you can try to go the easy route and have somebody quote unquote, yeah. you know, fix your credit. It actually creates more problems when you go in to get loans because if you've disputed an account and it automatically removes it from your credit score. Right. So if you have like a 90 day wait and you dispute it, it's smoked out of your credit score. Hmm. Well, I have to go back and have it undisputed because I have to figure out what your real credit score is. Oh, gotcha. So, so you have to do that with everything that's been disputed on people's credit? It depends. Um, not all the time. Yeah. But like 
with VA and FHA, a lot of times they'll come back and they'll be like, okay, these accounts are disputed. You need to undispute these so we can figure out exactly what wow. your credit looks like. So even though you got it removed from your credit, it's not really removed. Exactly. Because you have the ability to go back and say, eh, not so fast. Right. We still, we, even though it's gone, we still see it. Exactly. Because yeah. it reports on your credit. It just says that it's in dispute. So it removes it from your credit score. Yeah. So when credit card, or I'm sorry, when credit repair companies say, oh yeah, we'll get your credit score up 200 points, piece of cake. Well, yeah, they just go through and dispute everything. That takes 10 minutes. You can do that on your own. You send in a letter. Yeah. I dispute this. Right. And then the credit agency will come back and say, no, you were really right. had this foreclosure, I promise. <laughs> we know. We got your house back, and you really like did a number on it, man. Yeah, yeah. You let a dog live in there for like six <laughs> months, didn't you? Dude, it's so funny. <laughs> like, There's people that uh, abuse the credit system. They know it so well that they're habitual at like, I, I knew a guy that was pulling, like he was filing for a BK every couple of years. Just bankruptcy, bankruptcy, bankruptcy. It was like, in fact, um, I don't know if you, you follow the Susan Powell case. It's mm -hmm. always been super fascinating to me. Her husband, Josh Powell, the guy that obviously killed her, um, that was his MO. He would go rack up a bunch of debt, bankruptcy. Rack up a bunch of debt, bankruptcy. And he left Susan's credit good because they used that to buy stuff. And so it was this crazy thing that he did. And I listened to a podcast about that and it talked all about how he worked the system so well. He just learned like what he could and what he couldn't do, and 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 used it. So don't see, be that person. See, there you go, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, that's why you got to get your wife some good credit. Yeah. <laughs> start working that system, brother. I'm gonna start getting me some new fresh threads, max out the credit card, and take out bankruptcy. There you, you know? go. That's I think the important thing. I don't want to hash too much more on credit, but a lot of people are taught that credit's bad. They're they're taught that borrowing money is bad. Um, I disagree. I think borrowing money is a great thing if you have a plan. If you go in and borrow some money, you went and bought your bed. You did not plan on buying that bed, putting it in your room, and then just saying, you know, F-U-R-C, Willie, I'm not paying you back. You said, yeah. I have a job. I have a house. I have a family. I need somewhere to sleep. I got a plan to pay this thing off. So I've paid primarily cash for all of my gear in my business, all the stage, sound, lights, and that sort of thing except for I bought one big sound system. And my goal has always been, I, I don't have a problem borrowing money to build a business, but I just need to know how I'm going to pay for it. You know what I mean? So that sound system, I knew that I could rent it out and I found people that would rent it from me in advance, bought the sound system because I knew it could pay for itself. Yep. You know, And that's uh, going back to why I met Matt in the first place. A few years ago when we got a mortgage on the condo or whatever it was, it was we'd had multiple mortgages at that point. I didn't need a mortgage. I had cash to pay for the house, but I can make more money using my cash in my business than I'm going to pay an interest rate. So I'm happy to use the bank's money and, and make money on my money. And that's very common. A lot of people do that. So even though, even though, you know, everybody's goal is get your house paid off as quick as you can, there's, there's a, there's pros and cons there. Like just having your, your bunch of cash, like if you don't have a way to work your cash and use your money, great, go park it in your house. But there's better ways to make money than just having it sit in your house. Thank you, Kawasaki. I bought my last three dirt bikes is 0% interest Dude. over a full year. I'm like, man, I got the money to pay for. Why would I do it if I could just pay this thing over a few months and Especially keep all the money in my bank account? And, and I'll even tell people that like, yeah, go ahead and buy a motorcycle. Like that's it, not like, that is not irresponsible. It is not yeah. irresponsible in my opinion to go buy a car or something like that um, if you get it financed as long as you, Re finance it responsibly. Now, going in paying 
12, 15% on a loan because you had bad credit and Kawasaki's like, nah, dude, we're going to, we're going to yeah. charge you. Like that's probably a little irresponsible. Maybe you should pay cash. But, um, I just, I've never been a big believer in always having to pay cash for everything. I love using debt when you can learn how to like use it in your favor. Exactly. And that brings us to the next C. I mean, exactly. honestly, capacity. Oh yeah. And that's, you want to be able to live within your means. You know, that's Debt so, income. exactly. And so many people come in to see me and we'll sit down and honestly, it's a rarity. I would say it's one out of every 20 people that come see me say, this is where I want my house payment to be. What will that get me? They say, okay, I want my house payment to be 1500 bucks a month. How much will that afford me? Most people roll in the door and they're like, what's the maximum? <laughs> I need the maximum. What can I get? All of it. Yeah. You know, and so that's the biggest thing is if you look at it and look to buy responsibly, that's what's important. Because uh, you'd be surprised. There's an ongoing joke around my office because somebody will come in and be like, oh man, what's the max? What's the max I can get? So I'll prequal them and I'll say, all right, 350, but that's it, man. No more than 350. But it's all right. I know what's coming a week later. 375 is what they just offered on a house. Dude, you got to give me finance. I love this house. My dream house. If I don't get it, I'm going to die. Uh, and so that's the biggest thing is like really just So what's a, what's a good ratio to be at? Um, honestly, it's, it's funny, but you, or, um, rural housing has a hard stat, a steadfast rule that 29% of your Dude, gross wow. monthly income can be used for your housing expense. That's Utah housing. Um, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they'll go all the way up to 45. That's really kind of being irresponsible because you look at it in the aspect of like, okay, you're self-employed, you're self-employed, I'm self-employed. If things are bad for me one month, like let's say, for instance, my son, he had a situation where his medical bills were exponential um, for a couple of months. I just had to work harder to make more money to pay those. Right. If I'm a W-2 employee, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, yeah you're stuck. You get the same check. And that, so to help people understand, your debt to income, most people probably know this, but if you don't, if you make $5,000 a month, that's your income. If you have two, two let's call it $2,500 a month in debt, your debt to income ratio is 50%. Right? Exactly. Um, and you say the number... At 50%, there's no way you'd qualify for that first loan you were talking about, right? Because exactly. They want to see 70% of your income available. Mm -hmm. on, on for housing expense. Right. And then overall debt, like your credit cards, student loans, car payments, everything like that, they want it no more than 41. Now, depending on the strength of the file, it'll push it up to 33 and 42. So the most, the most, if I go into a, a bank to get a mortgage right now, standard mortgage across the country, use an average. I want to have, I want to be up to what number ballpark? Um, I, honestly, if you can stay below 38%, you're going to be pretty safe. Meaning, um, if you make $10,000 a month, you should have no more than $3,800 a month in debt. Um, $3,800 a month, uh, towards your housing expense. Gotcha. Okay. And then 4,500 towards, you know, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, your other debts. So Everything. They, okay, gotcha. So they, do they ever want to see that number up to 100? Like, meaning, meaning your debt to, debt to income, like with your mortgage payment and your other, all your other obligations, what is the max number that 
you can get to? The max I've ever been able to push it to, and it's, again, it has to do with strength of file and lack of a better term, like, so they have this automated underwriting system, and I explained it to my kids once, and the best way I can explain it is I am really, really, really good at video games. <laughs> that is something, like, honestly, like, there was, at one point, I was number one in the world in Assassin's Creed. Wow. And it's on my Instagram if you want to look. Really? It really is. Another one of your fun facts. Exactly. You're freaking full of surprises. <laughs> so, so you beat the final boss on the AW or the AUW or whatever it is. Oh, heck yeah. You know really? this. Oh, yeah. Dude. So <laughs> so with, a, with an AUS system, it's a computer. And so it's just like when we were kids, I don't know, when I was a kid, um, War Games with Matthew Broderick. Okay, and it's all about Joshua, you know, beating beating the game. So that's the whole thing with an AUS system is you got to know and figure out what I got to do to milk it, make yeah. this thing like it. And so that's the whole thing is I've been able to push that envelope super hard, right? And get stuff that approved through the AUS system because once it's approved in there they have to take it. They have to. So where should we try to get our listeners to? If they're going to go prepare to buy a home, let's get them to what percentage to be safe? Overall, I would say including your house payment, 45%. Total all in, meaning you've got half of your monthly income not allocated to debt. Exactly. All park. Yeah, and that's including including your house, house payment, payment that you're trying to get. Exactly. So if your, house, if your income is 10 grand and your house payment is going to be two grand, that's 20%. So- don't go try to get a loan if you're above 30 or 40%. So to clarify, like insurance payments and stuff like that, does that, uh, is that included in debt? No. So the only things that are going to be included in your debt to income loans ratio. loans and credit cards? Exactly. Stuff that's reported on your credit report. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing that we look at that's not reported on your credit report would be um, alimony, child support, things like that. Everything else... We're only going off your credit report and your housing expense. And your housing expense is going to be broken down to your principal and interest, which is how much you've borrowed against your interest rate. And then your property tax, because that's a great thing about America is we came here to own land yeah. and technically we really don't because yeah. I mean, we're taxed yeah, on tax, it. Exactly. Even when you own it, right? Exactly. So um, property tax and then homeowner's insurance. And a lot of people will get that confused with mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance is what you have to carry if you're above 80% loan to value. Right. And it's insurance to for the bank to make sure that if you default, they supposedly get their money back. Yeah. Does it work? You give the air quote that, so I'm guessing it's not a real... Stable product. Well, you think back to 2008, oh, how, yeah. how that worked out. All of a sudden, all the mortgage <laughs> insurance companies are filing for bankruptcy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing is um, homeowner's insurance, that's your hazard insurance. That's the stuff that like, if your Blood, house burns bro, down, yeah. they're the ones who replace it. They're farmers, you right. know. This is farmer. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, so there's capacity. You got any questions on capacity, Marcus? That makes sense? Um, so say, you know, as a self-employed guy, all of the vehicles and stuff that I pay for on my business, does that affect my personal credit? No. So that's a great thing. Even so, like a lot of people will be freaked out to like co-sign with their kid because they're like, oh, this is going to jack up my credit. As long as you have 12 months worth of canceled checks showing that someone else is making that payment, we consider that what's called a contingent liability. 
which means that you are not paying it. So even though it's on your credit, I can omit it from your debt. Got it. So like um, somebody I know has a couple of helicopters and some (laughs) other things. And, you know, that's one thing. Like when we look at it, it's like, okay, all of these debts, you don't pay these. So we get 12 months worth of canceled checks, prove that the business is paying these or your kids or whomever. And now all of a sudden it doesn't affect your debt ratio. So that's a good point. It's very important to make sure that you're not personally servicing um, business loans, business debt, because that'll hurt you. Oh yeah. And like, unfortunately people will make a mistake. It's one of those things where you talked about the ACH and like forgetting. Uh God bless her. I love her with all my heart. And she's probably going to be listening to this, but my sister-in-law, she will forget and so like she's making the payment from the business every single month and then all of a sudden she'll have forgotten to make the payment. So she'll like, oh no, and like hurry and make a payment. Yeah. And she'll make it out of her personal account. Well, that starts the clock over. Ugh, yeah. So now we gotta go 12 months from that date. Dude, that's brutal. That's brutal. That's one thing that you taught me when we first started doing it. I had a couple of ones that we didn't need to like, and it's just good. It's, it's a good checkup on your, on your like financial health anyways to just go through and be like, okay, are we doing things right here? Because it never hurt you. It, it, it never hurts you until it does. Meaning uh, all of a sudden the IRS knocks on you and they're like, hey, by the way, we're going to look into your taxes and you're going to get audited. It's like, well, shit, I, I didn't mean to do this, but now for the last 12 or 24, 36 months, I was accidentally paying this out of that. And then they're like, well, that's not a deduction. Now you owe this much more in taxes. So it hurts you there. It'll hurt you on the mortgage side of things. Um, so that's a good point. And that's a lot of people who listen to this are self-employed and managed. Like, you know how it is, dude, it's really easy yeah. to blur the lines, especially when your business is just you, when you get partners and you get, you know, growing a bunch, then it's like a little, you gotta be a little bit cleaner, but dude, in the early days, I was like paying for trucks out of my personal account and then depositing in my business. And then just like, no bueno, I gotta be careful with that. Oh yeah. So the third C, what is it, Matt? Um, capital. Capital. So that's the biggest thing that most people have a huge misconception on is down payment. How much do I need to buy a house? And that's the thing is they have opened the door for multiple programs for people to put less money down and still get a great loan. My first uh, mortgage was with Mountain America and it was a first time home buyer loan and it was uh, zero money down. Or it was like a thousand dollars down or whatever it was like, because I did not have a lot of cash when we first got married, dude. Every ounce of cash I had was tied up in this little business that we were trying to build. And that was my biggest frustration. Dude, it was like, there were days where I, I honestly was like, I'm a failure of a husband. I'm a failure of a, of a dad. I can't buy a home because I don't have the cash in the bank to do it. And so that program, man, it freaking saved me. And so like you're saying, there are programs like that all over the place. Oh yeah. So there's grants that you can get in different areas. But so um, when we talk about loan level pricing adjustments and different things like that, um, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac came out with a home possible and a home ready product. And it has income limitations. So depending on where you live is your income limitation. Some, some areas have zero income limitations because they want people to buy there. But there's, for the most part, they have a cap because they're not going to open it up for everybody to take advantage of these products, only the people that really need them. So you look at it and you say, okay, um, and it's not like a massive amount. Like it's not, a lot of people be like, oh, I make more than 30 grand. I can't qualify. No, it's like 85 so it's average median household income and they don't make 
the whole entire house, just whoever is on that loan qualify. Right. So with like USDA, they'll do a hundred percent, but it has to be in a rural area. So like a lot of people think, Oh, they're going to make me live in the sticks in order to get a hundred percent financing. Not the case. Tooele, Lehigh. What about Highland? Uh, new, unfortunately that's Shoot. not rural, but, uh, Eagle mountain, Saratoga Springs or right. Yeah. FHA hey. stands for federal housing association. Uh huh. This is probably a whole nother can of worms, but real quick, what is your opinion? Should the government be so heavily involved in, uh, mortgages? Probably not. I'll be honest. Like, so, uh, even Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, they're supposedly private, but they're, they're government, they're, but they're government yeah. and they're highly regulated and different right. things like that. Um, and because of that, it's, it's one of those things. It's government. God bless them. They think they know a lot more than they do. <laughs> right. And until they get down in the trenches, they have really no idea. Yep. And for every regulation that comes out, the best example I can give you is just like opening an umbrella. If it's raining and you open an umbrella, that rain's going to go somewhere. Right. And so it starts pouring on the ground around you. Right. And so then the government opens another umbrella and another umbrella, which creates just, more problems. And it just, it just, all of a sudden you get more and more and more issues. All right. I think that's probably a conversation for another day because I, I, I agree with you. I don't, I feel like when a private business has to keep the lights on, they adapt or they die. The government, when they have to keep the lights on, they just take more of your money and they just keep on bleeding. They don't stop the bleeding. They just, they just put more money in it. You know what I mean? Just like, it's, it's frustrating to me. And so when there's programs like that, that I feel like could be run better, that's why I'm not even gonna get into politics right now. I'm not gonna do it. So, so but back to, back to what we were saying. So 3% down is what the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Home Ready, Home Possible is. They do not have any loan level pricing adjustments. So even if you have like a 680 credit score, they don't bang you on the rate. Yeah. They maximize, hey, listen, this is the this is the best you can do. So three percent down is that's is that a new number that's a kind of a standard? Yeah. Because it used to be ten or fifteen. Uh, so a lot of times people that's and that's a misconception is right. a lot of people think, oh, I gotta come up with twenty percent or I gotta have ten percent. Which is terrifying. Exactly, because you think about it, like, you know, who's got twenty grand laying around? Yep. That's where I thought I was going to have to do like 25 or 30 for this. And then we talked before and you made it a lot more comfortable. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, Dave's got 20 grand laying around. He just got, you know, credit card payments. about those saving accounts, man? Exactly, dude. When when are we going to roll out to Wendover and triple that, man? Dude, it actually, I'm still trying to get my money out of the account. This little tiny credit union is like, no, don't go, don't go. So they're making it so freaking hard. They're basically, they they honestly told me, um, come in, pick up a form from the teller, go back to your office, fill it out and fax it back to us. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? I said, just give me my damn money. Transfer it to my account. They're like, no, we can't do it over the phone. You gotta come do this. I'm like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> Tell like, you what, 10% and I'll go do all the work Yeah, you go do you. the dirty work yeah. for me. <laughs> I'll bring a Polynesian with me too. I forgot all my secret passwords that they wanted me to give over the phone. So I'm just like rambling. Yeah, it's... Anyways, uh, capital three percent down. That's that's a good number to target. Yeah, three percent. That's going to be that's going to open the door yeah. for you. It, there's programs that'll allow you to come in with zero down. Right. But I'm going to tell you that they're not the best. Right. Um, unless it's unless it's a VA loan, a USDA loan, the hundred percent product kind of sucks. Um, what sucks about it? It's more money. It's going to cost you more. It's going to cost you a lot more. So yeah. here in Utah, we have a loan, and it. I don't mean to like sound like down on it. It's called a Utah housing loan. That's and the one I think I got for Mount America. 
Yeah, and so you walk in with nothing down, but as soon as that door slams behind you, you owe 105% on your house. Jeez. And like most people don't think that through. Now, in a market like today where you have appreciation, it's, it's, you're okay. Yeah. But if you're in a flat market, it's going to take you a long time. Plus, your interest rate's going to be higher on that. You got a second mortgage that is like bad luggage. It'll never go away. Right. Because they amortize it over 30 years. And so you have like a $10,000 mortgage. This well, does it automatically come with a second? Yeah. That's how they get you to 100. <laughs> so they do 96 and a half on a first. So it's like a standard wow. FHA loan, except the interest rate is anywhere from a half to five eighths higher in rate. And then from there, they tag a second on there to pick up that difference. So Dude. with an FHA loan, you're going to start, they're going to, they put mortgage insurance, they call it upfront mortgage insurance right. is one and three quarters that they add on top of. And then they add your closing costs and they add all this stuff mm -hmm. and you feel great. You walk in, yay. Yeah. And then the door closes and you're like, oh my gosh, I owe 105% and I can't refinance and I can't sell this. And you're stuck. I'm in a bad way. You are literally stuck. You can't like, life happens. Let's face it. You may get a job off here. You may need to move. You may need to do whatever. You can't. Like, <laughs> and you can't rent it. You get upside down. Like when you get upside down in, the, in a car loan, you can actually get upside down in a mortgage loan, which is a whole lot more daunting because you're talking a lot more figures. Oh yeah. Do you, I you can't a, rent it either? No, because as soon as you move out, they'll, they'll call the note due and payable. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Stay away from that loan listeners. Whatever yeah. you do, just go hustle, save that 3%. It's not that much money on a hundred grand. You're three grand, dude. Yeah. 206 grand. Like that's not that much money. And here's the great thing about that. And this is again, for you listeners, this is the way you can beat it. You can beat the system. So the 3% down, I don't care where it comes from. It can be a gift. Yeah. So you can't be alone, but it can be a gift. Right. Now, how your gifter gives it to you, Right. if they go get a loan, I don't care. Yeah. Just as long as you're not getting a loan for that 3% down. As long as you're not bringing on new debt to pay that. Exactly. So this is where like, I step back and this is kind of like, I'm going to lay it down on the table and you pick up whatever you want. Yeah, so yep. at the end of the day, it's like, okay, mom, dad, I need 3%. Well, I don't have 12 grand sitting in the bank. Right. Okay. Here's what I need you to do, mom and dad. I need you to go get a loan for $12,000 and give it to me. Yeah. I did that for my sister. I sold my, uh, one of my work vans or I got a loan. I owed it. I owned it, <clears throat> took a loan on it gifted her the money and then she paid the monthly on it until they were able to pay it off. And I'll tell and you there what. you go. And that's that's the gray area. I don't... But dude, you know what? Yeah. And it is a gray area and I, 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 you definitely have to protect because there's federal regulations, but I feel like that is not unethical simply because the only reason the bank or the credit union doesn't want you to take more debt to be able to pay that down payment is because they need to be in a position where they can collect their money from you first. Now, if you're borrowing money from your sister she can't collect in a priority over the bank. Meaning if the bank comes to take your property, your sister doesn't have a lien on the house. Right. And so as long as you're not basically moving the bank's priority and getting paid back or splitting it, I feel like it's ethical. So Matt, as a mortgage broker, has to obviously make sure these lines are not blurred. I, as just a regular Joe, will tell you, my opinion of it is do it. Because the system is broken in a lot of ways. And so we have to find workarounds. We have to find ways to be able to get creative. And that's the only way that I was ever able to build my business, buy a home, do anything was when I found these ways to be like, okay, I get it. There's, there's, there's the rules, but 
here's my rules and now we're on the same page and everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. So uh, I hope everybody understands what we're getting at there. It's, it's valuable. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the whole thing is, again, it goes back to not to sound arrogant, but that's why I'm good at what I do is it has, it goes back to being an artist is creativity. Yeah. Finding the workaround, looking at it. And you've done that very well in a lot of different cases. Um, capital 3% down. Is there anything else on the capital? Um, no, just a, uh, you know, Hey, sometimes depending on what time of loan you get, you want to have reserves, different things like that. If you got a 401k IRA, different things like, yeah. you know, those are always good to have the fourth seat. The anticipation is killing me. Collateral collateral. You got to find yourself a house. Yeah. And it can be a pile of crap. Okay. It no, can, they, they, they won't even loan on a, like as, if it's, to a point where it won't pass certain inspection. Like if it's too crappy, the bank will be like, no, we're not loaning on that, right? Exactly. And so like deferred maintenance, different things of that nature, FHA, they make you do stupid things like scrape paint, make sure it's safe, oh. you know. Meth and, test, mold test, all that stuff. Well, no, they actually, believe it or not, they don't do meth or mold tests. That's separate. <laughs> Jeez. If you want to do that, you have to pay for it And separately. those are two of the biggest like ass kickers on a lot of people when they like, really get in trouble in a house that's got problems. Mm -hmm. Like, oh man, I got to mitigate not just this little issue right here in the living room, but now I got to tear walls out all over the place. I got black mold in here. Oh yeah. And that's, that's really when it comes to collateral, that's the one thing I'm going to tell you that a lot of people will breeze over the top of is having proper representation. They think they're going to get a better deal if they go find a for sale by owner. But at the end of the day, I have a client right now. Um, he bought a house a year ago, and 90 days after he bought it, the whole back half of it started collapsing. And it was an addition that the previous homeowners had purchased it from, had put an addition on the back of this house without any sort of permits or anything like that. And they knew it was a problem but they didn't disclose it because it was a for sale by owner. Right. There was no seller disclosures. And so now it's escalated to court and attorneys and all kind of stuff. And here I got this nice kid who's in his twenties, graduated college. He's a nurse, first real house with his wife and they can't use the back half of it because they were terrified that it's going to fall and down. They're stuck in the house too because obviously they can't sell it because they probably owe more than it's worth until it's repaired. Exactly. And the price tag to fix it was 120 grand. How much was the house? 280. Oh, geez, dude, that's brutal. A yeah. third of the price of the home is just got to be thrown on top of it now. And you can't, you, like, so what do you get out there? Insurance how do you get that representation? A good realtor. Good realtor. And that's the whole thing is a lot of times people think, oh, yeah, my mom's brother, he's got his realtor license. He'll cut me a deal. Don't do it. Don't do it. You got to find people. This is, this is my career, right? This is not my job. And so there's a big difference. The way people look at things when they look at things as their career, they, they, they seek to be the best. They seek <laughs> to improve. I don't know if it's as bad as it used to be, but I remember a wolf, like this is four five, six, eight years ago literally on a daily basis, I would hear one of two things from people that were going to get a new job. It was a girl telling me she was going to hair school or somebody telling me yeah, that I they would to be a real <laughs> or tell me, tell me sure. that he was going to get a real estate license. It was like, that was the thing. It was just popping up left and right. Like, Oh, economy's booming. You know, people are selling houses. I'm going to go be a realtor. It doesn't work like that. Like, I guess it does because you can go 
technically go buy and sell property, but if you found somebody who's just getting their license, just getting started, maybe um, maybe just keep shopping. Like, don't don't land on the first person or the first family member who's a realtor unless you know that they like they know what they're doing and they're doing this day in and day unless, out. Unless unless they give you a business card and they've got a really good like profile picture that yeah. they've got on their card, and they look then you know then you know they're legit. Yeah. Have you seen my card? I have not. But oh man, hang on. I'm interested now. So oh no. All right, here you go. <laughs> what do we got? Holy! Oh, these got the stainless steel dude, cards, dude. This thing must weigh five pounds. That's, oh man, when they sick. shipped them! <laughs> wow. So uh, Matt just passed us his business card. For cards the listeners there. that can't hear, that's, that's stainless steel. I think that's yep. metal. That is sick. That is that's. If somebody hands me a metal business card, I'm gonna be like, okay, hold on. Like you, you might know what you're doing. You know what I mean? Like. The, the mom who just went out and got her uh, real estate license yeah, oh, yeah. My man. after soccer practice probably doesn't have metal business cards yet. So even though it's kind of a flashy statement, it does say something about how serious you take your career, like you're saying. Oh, yeah. In fact, so I, I sit on an advisory board for the largest wholesaler in America, and they flew me out to Detroit, and they're stationed in Pontiac, Michigan. I love Michigan. But yeah. anyway, uh, they had the CEO of Freddie Mac there. So like you're talking a billion dollar company and I'm sitting at a table with this guy and it's probably one of my favorite things I've ever done is this guy was sitting at this table and he never like wrote a single thing down. He just engaged everybody and listened. And everybody was like, I, t- I tell people this and they're like, oh wow, what, he's got that sharp of memory. I'm like, oh hell no. He had three dudes sitting around him just jotting uh. notes down as fast <laughs> as they could go. But anyway, I handed him one of those cards and he was like, wait a minute. He's all, these are awesome. And I was like, yeah, Dude, it was totally worth it. You impress somebody in that position. Like that's, that's legit. When you impress somebody like that, that's a good feeling. And it makes this, I mean, these can't be cheap. They, they actually work out to be about a buck a piece. That's, I mean, a regular business card's five cents a piece, 10 cents a piece. So it's an investment, but it's, you're proud of what you do. Oh yeah. It shows a lot of pride. And that's, that's a whole nother story, you know, topic for another day is being proud of what you do. And like something so small and seemingly meaningless goes a long ways. You hand this card to somebody, if another mortgage broker, if I had just talked to him 10 minutes before and he gave me a paper card and you gave me this, guess what I'm going to call first. Oh yeah. This. Um, Bless you. So yeah, that's the, the, the collateral side of it. Uh, my brother-in-law, Roger, um, I think he listens to this, not just because he's my brother-in-law, but because he's the best damn realtor I know. Like the dude loves real estate. He genuinely loves what he does. And so if you find somebody who's passionate about what they do, just like you with your, you know, steal business cards, Roger's the same way about buying and selling homes. And I know that, um, I've bought multiple properties through him now. And it's such a great experience, dude. Like for me, I'm a busy person. I'm a very, very busy person. And I don't have time to deal with a lot of the stuff that, um, comes with buying and selling a home or getting a mortgage. And so guys like you guys like Roger make my life like so great and so easy because you do the heavy lifting. So that's your job though too, right? Like you get paid to do that. And so you provide a better service, I think than most people in your industry do, but find somebody who's willing to do that for you. Oh yeah. How do you find the right guy? Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's, it's okay to interview them, so to speak, like sit down, talk to them, get to know them, see if they're going to be taking care of you. Um, I'll be honest, like there's a difference between buying a Hyundai. I call it a Hyundai. Hyundai. Yeah. And, um, like an Audi, 
You know, how, how do they treat you when you walk in the door? Now, a high-end day, you're going to get at the very cheapest, you know, 100,000 mileage, you know, warranty bumper to bumper. But when you go in, how do they greet you? What do they give you? What do they do? Now, they are going to be less expensive than if you go buy an Audi. But when you go into an Audi dealership, they're going to hand you an apple and a banana. They're going to make you coffee. They're going to make you feel comfortable. They're going to hand you a paper. They're going to address you as Mr. Arnold. All these things. And that's honestly what you got to, that's what you have to look for. And the thing that's sad is a lot of people will just look at the name. They'll just trust a name instantaneously. Remax or Century Twenty One. Guess what? Any anybody can go get a license under Remax or under these brands. Exactly. And I don't want to throw any financial institutions under the bus, but like I'll just say I'll just call them W Fargo. (laughs) Well, that's a little too obvious, so we're we're gonna call them Wells F. Wells F. Yes. (laughs) There we go. Wells F. I, I have a client right now. He went in and they quoted him the earth, sun, moon, and stars. And I told him, I was like, look, my man, there's no way that this is going to happen. And he's like, well, I got to trust him. I got to trust him. And I was like, okay, man, well, if you have any problems, give me a call. So sure enough, 30 days later, he calls me up. He's like, bro, I think I'm going to come with you. And I was like, oh, did it not work out? He's like, I think your words were, she was smoking rock. And I was like, ooh, I probably shouldn't have said that. But yeah, yeah, my man. Yeah. So anyway. Dude, Wells Fargo's effed up so bad recently that they're, you know their new slogan? You don't, you haven't seen their new slogan? Uh-uh. <laughs> on their billboards and on their bank website, established 1852, reestablished 2018. With a recommitment to you. That wow. is their new. I, I remember seeing this. That's funny you brought that up. I remember seeing this a couple months ago. That's their actual Holy company crap. slogan now. They effed up so bad that uh, I think it even says in the small print. From from day one, we always came through for our customers. Today, we're renewing our commitment to you and working to earn back your trust. Earn You're talking back. a multi, multi billion dollar worldwide corporation who is now apologizing to their customers. That doesn't like, make me feel comfortable. I know, my money's no, in there, right? Like, no. I don't, I've never used Wells Fargo, but sorry to those of you who listen Wells or use Wells, move your money. But um, <laughs> it's, man, that's a big mistake. You got to F up pretty bad. So like you said, even though they have this massive worldwide reaching brand, they can still make mistakes. And that's the thing is a lot of people, they don't realize um, until they've been down that road. Right. And it's just like you, you know, like you've had multiple mortgages before we met. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, it's a lot easier. There's people out there that actually take care of right. their clients and like know what they're doing. Are you taking, are you, are do you, I, I don't refer people to you as much as I used to because I'm afraid that you're so damn busy. Are you, ta- are you always taking on new people here in oh, Utah? Yeah, absolutely. Are you only licensed in Utah? Uh, California, Utah. So, I'm going to strongly suggest this is not like Matt's not paying to get this plug or anything, but I deal with a lot of different people and I deal with a lot of different people that provide services. I will hands down tell you right now, there's no better service provider. There's nobody who can get the job done for you as far as getting a mortgage done better than Matt can. So if you need a loan, um, this is, I'm just going to give you this plug because I fully, fully trust and believe that you can take care of everybody I've ever sent to you is like, Dude, thank you. Like, I've, my friendships are better with people because I introduce them to you. That's a big <laughs> deal, dude. Like, when I give my reputation, I don't refer anybody to anyone anymore. In fact, I had a guy hit me up the other day. and was like, dude, I got to get my truck built. Somebody needs to build it. We got like a four-year waiting list here. I can't build people's vehicles. He's like, where should I send it? 
And I was like, dude, I'm sorry. I do not recommend shops anymore because I don't know one good shop in the Valley. There's a lot of great shops, but there's so much. Nothing you want to stamp your no, name No, I don't want to because there's so much yeah. stuff that's out of control in that business that I just won't do it. And I won't do that with a lot of things. When it comes to mortgages, if you need a mortgage, and it's like, especially if somebody's told you no, call Matt and get a second opinion because you're the best there is, like flat out. So uh, can I give you information here? Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, Matt Arnold, Christian Roberts Mortgage. Um, should I give him your office phone? or your? Yeah. So the office phone right here is uh, 801-255-0936. Call Matt. He's the coolest, the most rad dude you'll ever meet. And I was like, dude, if, you, if Matt can't get you qualified, then you legitimately cannot get qualified. But I've, I'd, I've never sent you one person. I'm hoping too, once he gets me in my house, he'll spray paint my garage too. You know what I'm saying? And, and this is what I love about my Matt man. is if he can't get you qualified day one, he's going to say, dude, guess what? Here's the couple things we need to do. So you didn't get qualified. You couldn't buy a home the day you talked to him. But he's like, Mark, Marcus, we got to do this, this, plan. And this. Now you have a plan. And a few months later, bam, you're getting the freaking loan, dude. I have been paying on my trucks through my personal account, all my vehicles that I use for my business. And I never moved over my business account. Matt told me over a year ago to move those over to my business account and be paying from my business account. Now I've done that. Yeah. Again, guys, this is not a paid advertisement. This is not a paid plug. I don't do paid plugs on here. I would not be telling you this if I didn't personally give you this man my social, you know, social security number and my bank account information because he is as legit as they come. And like, dude, you're, you're a wizard, like just flat out a wizard. Um, so we're at an hour and a half right now, which okay. the time flies. I did, don't know where the time went. I think it's valuable. I hope that the listeners have been taking notes. We hit the four C's. Are those the basics? Um, is there anything else? If, if you know, Joe Blow is out there with his wife looking to go buy a house for the first time or second or third, Anything else they need to be prepared with? What what kind of like weapons do they need to go to battle? Honestly, those they, those four are going to be your biggest biggest basic thing, yeah. and then surround yourself with the team. Yeah. At the end of the day, if you have people that are looking out for your best interest, and like I said, I'm licensed here in Utah and California. Right. But before you go walking into a bank or the machine the largest retail mortgage lender in america quicken loans everybody yeah. knows them everybody yeah. recognizes the name they're they're great at a lot of things before you call anybody like that look up a mortgage broker because those guys like at the end of the day we have to be experts in everything you're held to a pretty high standard oh yeah and i'll be honest there was a time where i couldn't tell anybody that that's what i did yeah and i've been doing this for 22 years and so I know I don't look it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually yeah. was surprised when I first heard that. I was like, oh, maybe he's been doing it for five years. And he's Because I actually really thought this. I was like, dude, this guy has so much energy. There's no way he's been doing this for more than a few years. Like at some point people get burnt out. Dude, you're 22, dude, 22 years deep and you're still like kicking ass and passionate about it. So that says something about how good you are at it though. Well, thank you. And it's really, it's a rarity where people take real pride right. in their work. And that's one thing that I can say about everybody that I work with and all the people that are employed at Christian Roberts, we take pride in their work. We want to make sure that if we tell you we get it done, it's going to get done. Right. And that's a beauty of, you're not a bullshitter when it comes to like, if somebody calls you, you're not going to be like, yeah, 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 I can get you approved. And then just like string them along. You won't do that. Like Matt is straight enough shooter that, and, and there's so many listeners here that aren't in Utah or California. So call that broker in your area and just, um, you get a pretty good, you know, uh, judge just by talking to somebody. And 
Is it okay to call multiple and kind of interview them a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's it, like, there was a gal that came in and she put it best. She, uh, she met with me and a couple of different people. And after she did, she came back. She's like, you know what? When I'm with you, I don't feel stressed. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Her name's Laura. I was like, that's what you pay me for. You pay me to stress. You guys go pick out some curtains and bath mats. That's your job. You go have fun. I'm the stress guy. And you do it well. I, I don't know how. Yeah. Do you know how many? I probably can't. I'm not even ask the number just because it's, there's, I know there's so many regulations that are dumb. Um, but you have a lot of business. You have a lot of customers and a lot of people that probably repeat business, right? Oh, yeah. Um, is it safe to kind of judge a book by its cover if somebody is in Colorado and they're looking for a mortgage broker? To kind of just based off of how long they've been in business too. Oh, absolutely. It's it's one of those things. I have a number. Believe this or not, like I got a number. They gave me a number, and my number is six nine one five eight. Really? And that is my number. That's and, a nationwide number. Yep. And everywhere I go, anything I touch, that number is associated with it. So does that mean you're sixty nine thousand one hundred fifty eight? That in uh, line from when they issued those numbers? Exactly. So if somebody has a number. What's the numbers at now? Do you know? They're over a million. What? Whoa. <laughs> what? Yeah. Dude, so that's, that's somebody's that's license pretty good. number. So someone's number is 878,123. Yeah. Okay. That's not a great number. Yeah, it's, it's a number. Like, that's, everybody's got to start somewhere. Right. It just... And that's the thing. I don't want, we don't want you know, new right, mortgage brokers it. to listen to right. this and be like, dude, come on, you're killing me. That's not the purpose because... You could have started business yesterday, and if you had the passion that you do today, you would be you'd be my guy still. I don't care yeah. how long you've been in business, but it is a good indication to help. Kind of like it'll help you avoid the fly by night guys. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of guys that open up shop and close it next week because oh, yeah. they just they're looking for quick easy money. So this is to help you avoid those guys, not to help you avoid the legit people. Absolutely, and just. I know we're we're long on we're, time. We're, you know what? Our listeners are used to it, though. Our podcasts are long because they're full of value. Right on, man. Because I got to tell you, I got to give you a shout about how Christian Roberts came to be. Because it's a pretty dope story. And you are you one, you're one of the owners, right? Yeah, yeah. So my name is Matthew Christian Arnold, right. and my business partner, his name is Stephen Robert Saxton. Huh. And we opened Christian Roberts Mortgage when I was the ripe old age of twenty four. I had uh, just turned 24. It was March 15th, and my birthday's in February. So wow. I just turned 24 Jeez. in 2000. And we decided that we had to come up with a name because I looked like I was 15. Like, people would ask me all the time, <laughs> dude, shouldn't you be in school? I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> so we came up with the name Christian Roberts. Because it feels strong and elite. Oh, yeah. And we... We pawned it off. Oh yeah, Christian Roberts. He's oh, he's from the Midwest. He's a real estate investor. <laughs> Mogul. Very wealthy. Oh yeah. And then when people would get upset, I'd be like, dude, all right. Well, let me let me call Christian on his sat phone because back then we all had cell phones. <laughs> that is one of the smartest things I've heard in a long time. Oh, he's awesome, dude. I'd throw people on hold and like wander around my office for like ten minutes and pick it back up and be like, man, you have no idea. I'll Pissed he is. He's in the Gulf of Mexico right now fishing <laughs> on his $40 million yacht. Do you know how angry this man was with me? But you know what he's going to do for you? He's going to pay for your appraisal. And they'd be like, oh, my, oh, thank you. I'm like, dude, bro, you owe me. <laughs> 
dude, you used your alter ego to build this really elite feeling brand. There's a lot of value in that, dude. So if you're listening to this and you're starting a business, maybe don't just call it uh, Marcus's Tacos. Yeah, well, let's talk about DJ Marcus Wing hey, but you know, for the past 10 years. But dude, starting, you were nobody. You were a joke. And now that name's got value. But yeah, you paid but your dues for 10 years. the problem is they all want DJ Marcus Wing. It's true. You know what I mean? It's true. I think you can have two different brands, though. Like, if we broke down your brand, DJ Marcus Wing, that's who you are. That's you. But you have an event service. I'm Heavy D, but I'm I'm Diesel Brothers. I'm Sparks Motors. Right. That's the, the organization behind me. I'm just the face of it. It's okay to be the face of your organization, not have to be the brand. Yeah. Does that make sense? I'm like, working on that. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it takes some time. Like it's, there's customer confusion anytime there's more than one brand. Um, so you gotta be careful with that. It's a total different conversation for another podcast, but it's, it's valuable stuff. Um, but checklist items, Matt, for our listeners, obviously we leave everybody with like, like just action items. I feel like we gave you some throughout during talking about the credit and stuff like that, but I want to give you, um, these are going to be fairly generic. Uh, I don't want to say generic, maybe just general information because everybody's at a different point in their life right now, whether you're going to buy a new home or you're happy in the one you have, but you may need to buy a new one in 10 years. Um, the basics that you need to be prepared with at all times. That's kind of the way I view it. I view my credit as um, like a weapon and I want to make sure my weapon's always cleaned, always loaded, always ready to go if I do need it. And it saved me a lot Like in my business. There's been times where I would have gone out of business. I would have had to close the freaking business, turn the lights off, send everybody home because there was no money when I was able to actually instead take my credit, use it, bam, keep the lights on and keep going. And it's, it's valuable. So especially for business owners, this is no joke. So listen up. Um, in order to keep that weapon, you know, ready and, uh, you know, able to do battle, these are the things that you need to do. My personal opinion is start flexing your credit muscles. Start just like, maybe you can't flex them yet. Start stretching them. And by stretching them, go get a gas card. Go get a freaking $50 PayPal prepaid credit card. Be smart. Just, yes, but you have to, like, it's never too late to start over. So I know a lot of people are probably sitting here like, well, I got a 400, so what do I do? Well, you just start. Because if you don't start, you're, you don't do anything. That's where the 15% on your Kawasaki. Yeah. Hey man, you got to bite that bullet for yep. a couple. As long as you're legitimately, seriously, like ready to pay that. Mm-hmm. If you're going to take advantage of the system, screw you. Like <laughs> you're the reason why we have high rates in the first place, but like definitely like if you've screwed up in the past, yes, go pay your dues, go pay your 15%, go pay your higher uh, interest rates, go get a cosigner, go swallow your pride, go ask somebody to sign on loan with you. But it's debt is not a bad thing. It's really not. It's, it is such a valuable thing, actually, if you learn how to use it and you don't overextend yourself. So in order to figure out, I think a lot of people hear that and they're like, okay, well, what does that mean? Here's what it means. Do not buy more than roughly what half your income can pay for. If you make $5,000 a month, don't go sign up for more than $2,500 a month in debt. Yep. And that includes all your debt. And what that allows you to do is not have to worry about money because you'll be able to take some of your income, go put it in the freaking bank. Just put even a little bit. Um, and then you'll be able to like just live and not be stressed about phone bill or bank account balance or all this bullshit. So um, the best way to start though is by flexing those muscles. So uh, is there a credit app that you use, like a bureau that you have people go check on? Um, no, 
I just, you know, as far as like credit's concerned, it's just go to, go to freecreditreport.com or any of these that'll at least get you started. It may not be the right one. I use, um, Equifax. Equifax is the one that I really like because it, uh, it's less gimmicky, I guess, to me, it's more like serious. So when I go in there, it notifies me every single uh, month. If my, if there's an inquiry on my credit, it notifies me if I've got a, it, it kind of gives me like reports without me asking for them. It's like, hey, your your account balance percentage went down this month. I'm like, great. Sometimes I'll get an email that says your account balance increased. Anytime I get those emails, I go in and log in and be like, okay, that's because I put something on my credit card. The account balance was higher that month. Start paying attention to this stuff. It's really, really important because if you don't, then the day's going to come where you're going to get married and your beautiful wife's going to be like, we need a house. You're going to go talk to a guy like Matt and Matt's going to be like, okay, well, uh, we're gonna, you're going to have to you know, be responsible now for six to 12 months before we can get you a house. Screw that. Just be ready right? Come with a better file and, and you can get your home right now or whatever like that new car is or whatever you want. So for me, that's uh, let's call it uh, flex those credit muscles. That's number one. Matt, is there anything you want to add to the list as far as like just general readiness? Um, not really. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I can tell you. And with credit, it, like you said, the best way to flex every six months, ask them to increase your limit. Right. You don't have to use it, right. just increase it because yeah. it, it just shows your capacity. Right. Yeah, get that. Uh, get those higher limits with lower balances. Exactly. Do not park money on your credit cards. It's the worst thing you can do. Like, I don't care. Like, don't consolidate it all into one card like you were saying. So make sure you revolve it, pay it off. And uh, like you're saying, Marcus, uh, where you can pay for cash, pay cash for stuff, Go get a credit card, give it to your wife and have her, if she was going to pay uh, for groceries with cash, have her do it with the card. And then take that cash and go pay to the bank and pay the card down. Got it. You can you can pay your utilities yeah. with credit cards. Yeah. And just pay them off. Just use them. Yeah. It just shows the, it shows the freaking credit system that you're responsible. So um, I think we gave enough, enough uh, items throughout this podcast to help people understand but if you genuinely do want to know more and you live in Utah or California and you want to be able to get help with this, Matt Arnold is your guy. His website is www.crmtg.biz. So that's, I, mean, I can't. You ready for this? Here we go. You ready? I know you'll like this. It. It's Charlie Romeo Martha Tango Golf. Bravo Igloo Zulu. I like that. The voice, man. Yeah. Got the phonetics, everything down. That's dialed. CRMTG. My business, man. I'm going to have you record it for me <laughs> with the voice. Oh, you should hear my partner, man. He sounds like uh, Barry White. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's the Roberts and the Christian. Um, all right. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it, dude. I think we'll probably, I'd probably do a follow up podcast with you to talk about um, some of the other stuff that you do, some of the really cool stuff. Um, we need to find somewhere to put your art. Dude, let's, we should find, we, do you have a website? You don't have a website for your painting. I don't know. Dude, just my Instagram. Can I challenge my, you to do that? Absolutely. My favorite is on display at Legends Boxing in Lehigh, Utah. Me and uh, Matt used to box together and we had a mutual friend who was the one who got me into boxing and he boxed with us and he passed away and Matt did a tribute piece there. And uh, it's pretty cool to walk in the gym every every day and see that piece. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's one thing I forgot is you're right. Your Instagram, dude, that's where a lot of your art is, is like you put it as soon as you paint it. So go to Instagram and it's at Billy Luber. 
just B-I-L-L-Y-L-U-B-E-R. And it's funny because that was just your alter ego when you were a kid. Like it was just like an alias you used, right? Oh yeah. Well, there's, there's kind of a story behind that, but uh, we can say that for another day, but it was a, uh, it was a trip to Vegas. That's the I'll Joe just, Rogan's podcast. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that at that. But uh, um, that's, that was the picture when we figured out that we knew Marcus. When you yeah. were going through that, yeah. my book. Picture, Kate. Oh, that's right. That's right. And you're yeah. like, wait, I know this guy. Yeah, that's my dude. I, I'm going to challenge you, though, to do, uh, just go buy domain, whatever it is. Go buy Lo- Billy Loop. Uh, I don't know if I have BillyLooper.com. That one might not <laughs> might be already safe. be taken. <laughs> you know what? You'd be surprised. Yeah. I am the only Billy, Billy Loober. Yeah. Dude, go find somewhere to park your art other than just social media, because t- to me, I think it'd be so rad to go to a website and like not even any explanations or descriptions. I just want to scroll through your paintings for days. Like that'd be, that'd be cool for me. And I think it'd be cool for people to see. So, cause it is not just like, don't picture just graffiti block letters like this, like come to our store. If you're in Utah, come check out our store. There's a Mount Rushmore on the wall of our store and the presidents are our heads. It's just the most legit stuff Utah I've ever arch. Seen. Yeah. The purple, the purple background, man. That's my favorite. Yeah. Like the, the, it's like some soul. What, what, what was it that you painted the back of like, like the, it's like the Milky Way on the wall behind the the arch. It's yeah. unreal. Your attention to detail is is phenomenal. So, guys, thank you for listening. Hold um, up, hold up, hold on. Wait, we're back. I'm up. springing a surprise on you. Oh, I can't wait for this. I jumped on Instagram and I said, "Hey, man, if you could ask us one question." Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a number here, and he's gonna ask us a question. Hopefully, dude, you awesome. okay with that? Hell yeah! I think it's a great idea. So Good we're call. gonna Bluetooth them in here. Dude, right as I was wrapping it up, you yeah. hit us with. I, I just threw it right in there, man. I don't even know his name. You want you take you take the lead on this, okay? Got it. He better answer his damn phone too. I told him he better be available. Oh man. Hello, Jose. Who's this? It's Jose. Jose, how you doing, man? This is Heavy D. Hey, Heavy D, what's up? Not much, man. Just sitting here recording an episode of our podcast with uh, Mr. Marcus Wing and my friend Billy Luber. So we got uh, we got your number because uh, Marcus put out a little thing there saying that uh, anybody who wanted to call in and ask us some questions, you know, that's what we're doing right now. So I'd love to hear from you and see what's up. Wow. Well, I'm kind of honored. I mean, you guys would actually call me, but... It's our pleasure, man. So what do yeah, you? Uh, um, where do you live? So I'm in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And what do you do? Um, I work for a company called Halliburton. Nice. Which I'm sure everyone knows. Yeah, we and know. You work in the I'm a diesel fields. technician. Nice. And, um, yeah, so I've been basically working my ass off getting, basically getting to where I want to be in life, starting from nothing. Um, How old are you? got myself through school. I'm 30 now. Okay. So, got myself through school. I mean, for Mexicano, you know, my family Paisa, came from Mexico. La Raza. And, oh, yeah. So, you know, um, my family, you know, doesn't really have the support or the knowledge or the experience of, you know, going to school, doing all that. So, Were you born me, here like, or did you uh, did you come over when you were a kid? I was born in Denver. Okay. So, you were um, second, genera- uh, second generation, right? First, first well, generation. First generation here. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, your parents were from there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, both my parents came from Mexico. And, I mean, they had it hard. And I basically took the ball from where they left off. And, you know, oldest out of my, all my siblings, I had to, you know, kind of show them, you know, we got to go to school. We got to 
you know, move forward and do something with our lives. And, yeah. I think that's know, the, I mean, the, a lot of people don't realize, um, when it comes to Mexican culture and Mexicans immigrating here, uh, the parents usually make the sacrifice to come over here and they pay, they do the hard part and it's their kids who usually benefit and are able to start, you know, like you said, pick up the, the ball and start living the American dream. So even though your parents may not have had that opportunity to really, you know, make it, they did, they came over knowing that you were going to have that opportunity. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I had to, you know, figure out what I had to do to get to school and, you know, I, I was fortunate to, you know, be able to you know figure out the financials and get me in there and you know i've worked for companies like caterpillar and cummins and you know i've made my way and you know got to where i'm at now and you know now i'm like a i guess you kind of call me like a master diesel tech i mean i can rebuild anything out here that's awesome and you know now i'm you know i got recognized by halliburton one of my buddies called me and i've been over here six months and you know now i'm finally getting to the big leagues i guess you can say you know yeah you created some serious value career yeah like as as far as my career goes like i'm where i want to be and like the future i mean it it could only grow from here and you know so what's 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 next you know what, what 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 would it be that uh as far as, you know, what are you hung up on? What's your, what are your, what are your big decisions that you're looking at? What, what kind of things are like you up against right now? Right now? Well, the biggest thing is that, you know, because I had to figure out my own way to get, you know, forward in life, you know, I had to take, you know, huge financial debt, you know, getting tools. Cause I literally started with a little fucking, like a little two drawer toolbox, you know, that you can carry around. Right. I started from there, you know, and, I've had to like purchase all my tools. So, I mean, I've got, you know, obviously all the debt that comes with being a mechanic, which I'm sure a bunch of wrench, you know, yeah. wrench hands would know, you know, you got to buy tools. In what, order what, to, kind of, what kind of tool guy are you? You snap on Matco Cornwell. I got them all. Yeah. At this point. I mean, I've got, I've got everything and you know, it's been a sacrifice, but you know, it was well, kind of, kind of a sacrifice I had to take to get to where I'm at. Yeah. So, you know, that and the school debt, you know, that's what kind of what's holding me back now. You know, that's, that's. And how does it hold you, know, you back? Help me understand that. Financially, most, mostly financially. Um, Are you talking about like the majority you know, of your paychecks when they come in, they go straight to paying off that, those loans? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you know, that's, it's kind of, kind of what brought me to like the question that I had asked is that, you know, like, Sorry, it's kind of emotional because it's You're good, bro. that hard, stressful, dude. Like you paid your so dues. Like, like you paid your dues, and sometimes you feel like you didn't. You're not going far enough. Right. Like for me, it's, it feels like a, it's a big anchor, right? But so today, I kind of had a moment, and it was actually ironically right before I happened to see you know the the story on Instagram. Is that like I had a moment where I just sat there and I'm you know having my lunch, and it's like, dude, like you've come so far and it's like, so like, I don't know, like I'm sure there's a lot of people in my situation or similar situations to where it's like, you're working so hard to get to where you want to be. And how many people actually stop and, you know, look at where they're at, how far they've come and like realize like, you know, pat yourself on the back because a lot of people probably, you know, wouldn't, 
I want to say they wouldn't last, but it's like a, it, not the average person would push to get as far as they need to get to whatever their goals are in life, you know? Yeah, you're and exactly like, right. I mean, take a look at, take a look at uh, some of the kids you grew up with, right? Kids from uh, your childhood, kids from your high school. Um, dude, I, you've I'm seen the only the, one. Yeah, you've seen the guys that don't pay their dues and, and where are they at? Right. So it's like I, I compare myself to, you know, like you said, people that I've grown up with, people that have been around old friends. And it's like you look back and it's like, you know, you know, I could have just, you know, fell off at any moment. And, you know, it's been five years since I made the decision that I want to be a diesel technician. And it's like, I mean, I went all cards in and, you know, here I am now working for a really good company and working my way up. And, you know, I've. I've been thinking of, you know, doing my own thing on the side and I've attempted it and failed, but you know, that's kind of what brought me here to Halliburton is that, you know, I'm now wrenching for a good company and making, you know, solid paycheck covering the bills, doing what I got to do, but I'm still, you know, I'm still on my feet. I'm not defeated. I'm still trying to push forward and do what I got to do to, you know, make whatever my side thing is going to be, or like, you know, trying to build, you know, my thing was building a business and, you know, it's a lot harder than what people think. It's oh, a yeah. lot of hard work. Oh yeah. Well, let me, and, let me tell you this, Jose, uh, Jose, right? Yeah. Yeah. So here's where you're at, dude. You are in actually, believe it or not. Um, and I'm proud that you were able to kind of take a, take a step back and pat yourself on the back because you should, because you've, you've, like I said, paid your dues. You've got to a point in your life that a lot of people aren't able to get to. They just, they don't have the perseverance. They don't have the patience. They don't have the work ethic. That's one thing I love about, um, you know, Mexican culture and my Mexican family is dude, you, you just learn how to work. Like you, it's in your blood. You just work. You flat out, you love it, you do it and you do it well. Um, and so as part of that, man, um, I want to congratulate you. And I also want you to understand that you're in a really, really good spot, even though it may not, even though sometimes you may look at the bank account balance versus the debt versus what you get paid per hour. And you're like, how am I ever going to like make sense of all this? Um, right. You are in a position right now where you actually have the best of both worlds. You have the job security where every day you wake up, you go to work, you get to make that money, you get to go home and you can um, do that every single day. So you know for a fact that you're always going to have some income. And so outside of that, uh, you don't work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So there is some extra time for you to be able to do other things. And that's where right. you got to really start to learn how to like utilize that time wisely. If you, let's say, I, I know Halliburton and, you know, working on uh, anybody in the oil business has crazy schedules and they've got, you know, four on, four off, whatever that, but let's just use a standard schedule. Say you work Monday through Friday and you have Saturday, Sunday off. Saturday and Sunday should be those days where you are going out to, uh, you know, local businesses or local fleets or other, you know, companies and equipment companies and saying, I know that you guys are probably behind on repairs. You're probably behind on equipment. Let me, let me do this for you. Let me do that for you and start picking off these kind of low hanging fruit projects. Um, I know for a fact that in my business, I'm constantly looking for guys like you that can come in and like pick up the slack. I don't necessarily need you as a full-time guy, but I need somebody to come in and be like, you know what? Saturday, Sunday, I've got this work help me pick up the slack and I pay him well. And so you right. are that guy, you have the ability to do that, but you can't do that unless you go knock on those doors and you go talk to those people. So in doing that, right. you're going to start building a name for yourself. And, and what I can tell you is don't bite off more than you can chew. Don't go rent a shop and hire employees and go get, you know, a bunch of like overhead 
because that's when you'll start to hate what you do. Uh, I'm not saying right. you don't want to get there because that's definitely obviously the goal. You want to build your business. And if you're an entrepreneur, then definitely you got to do those things, but they're not necessary right now. You have this wonderful world where you can work on somebody else's dime. And then when you've got some free time, rather than going to the club and going party and doing what all these other younger kids are doing, you're going to go, you know, work at somebody else's shop on the weekend or the night and you're going to you're going to hustle and you're going to bust your ass to be able to get this uh you know a little bit extra money and you'll find that once you do 5 10 15 20 25 of these projects all of a sudden if you're taking all that money and throwing it at that uh, student debt and throwing it at your tool bills dude 6 months a year from now you're going to be paid off and it's just like right. you you have a talent that like it's it's a full blown natural talent that people absolutely have to have. And it's not something that I can go to a three week trade school and get because what you have is real world experience. So there's right. value in that. You got to make sure you're valuing that and um, just go hustle it, man. Like don't, don't overthink it. Go get one project at a time. Go find just one. If you can pick up one extra project a week or a month or whatever your capacity is, then it starts to grow organically rather than going out and taking on this huge, you know, massive load of trying to own your own business. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So man, I'm telling you that is, uh, I, <laughs> I tell people this all the time. Um, in the early days, I wish I would have been in your shoes. I wish I had the job security to just know that I was going to have a paycheck and that I could do my hustle on the side with no risk. Just make sure you minimize your risk. Don't go take on all these different things that you have to worry about when they're just not necessary. There's way to there's ways to make money and do work like this on other people's dimes, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does actually. I would do it, brother. Yeah. I would definitely just just start by uh, go knock on a door, or make a phone call. I mean, I'm sure you probably know people in your close circle there. Either even even sometimes in your own business, at your own place of work, you can talk to the boss and say, "Hey, let me do this after." You know, my own guys come to me all the time and say, "Is there any work you want me to do after hours?" And I pay them significantly better after hours when they finish projects for me because. It's speeding the process along, dude. It's not about money. It's about time. How much time can you save me? Go save somebody some time and you'll be shocked at how quickly your bank account fills up. Yeah. So make it happen, dude. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely appreciate what you do. Sure. Obviously, it's a, it's sometimes it's a very um, underappreciated trade, uh, but it's uh, without you guys, obviously, the equipment doesn't go. So super valuable. Right. I appreciate it. I, I can definitely tell that you're a hustler and uh, the fact that you're proud of what you do, that's, that says a lot. So I'd keep it up, man. Um, we got to wrap it up cause we're getting ready to, uh, to wrap up the podcast here, but is there anything else you want to say? Um, no, actually, thank you for the advice. My I pleasure, mean, brother. It's kind of a, a good boost of energy. I mean, I can, I mean, I know you definitely can see where I'm coming from. So I've been on both sides, yeah. man. I've been there. I've been the guy turning the wrenches and I've been the guy paying the guys uh, turning the wrenches. And uh, I know exactly what you're going through. Just all I can say is keep hustling, but work smart when you go out and find this, you know, the sector work. So appreciate it, brother. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you have a good night. All right. Thanks, man. Take care. Yeah, bye. All right, guys. So what you just experienced was basically uh, a phone call that we, we offered, um, to call one of our listeners. And so on the heavy checklist, Instagram page, he sent us his phone number and that was a conversation we had. And Jose is a super cool dude. And I think we're going to try to do that at least once uh, one call per podcast. Um, and then we're also going to 
possibly grab some of our uh, great guests like Matt tonight and maybe just sit down and answer calls for an hour or two. And as we take those calls, we'll obviously try to keep them brief. Um, and so if you are part of one of those you know, opportunities, uh, do us a favor and just get right to the question if you can, and we will get you the most sincere answer we possibly can. But I mean, I... <laughs> I would have paid a lot of money back in the day to be able to have access to a guy like you, Matt. So this is free guys. Um, so take advantage of it. Appreciate you listening and uh, tune in next week because we're just getting better and better. I disconnected. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> uh.